What's up, young adult family? We are going to be talking tonight about, like, how can we stop sinning? How do, how, what does that look like in our lives? How do we, um, you know, have victory over what we're struggling with uh, the most? And this is an important question, you know, how, how can we have victory in our lives uh, if God's promised us that? And uh, I want to start by telling a story. Uh, I don't know about you all, but during this quarantine, uh, I have been eating like crazy. And uh, my wife and I, my wife Emma and I's weakness is eating out. And so uh, I have a couple different restaurants I've been going to. I like Everyday Thai a lot. I've also been doing an Amigos Tacos 12-pack, $10.99 for 12 tacos and chips and salsa. That's a great deal. And uh, I've, been, I've been going to town on all this different food. And I've had this moment. Uh, I was up here at church working on a project a, a week or so ago. And I was like, you know what? Today, I'm going to eat good. I'm going to eat good. It's going to be a good day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to being healthy in, in what I take in. I don't know that I've ever actually eaten healthy, but I was going to do it that day. And uh, lo and behold, lunch comes around, and I end up getting a giant JBC meal from Wendy's. And uh, I ate it all. And I had nuggets and a burger, and they even threw in free Frosties. And so I had that too. And so here I was. I was going to do it, right? I was going to overcome this uh, bad eating that I had been doing. And then next thing you know, I find myself at the bottom uh, of a Frosty and the bottom of a bag of fries from Wendy's. This can be frustrating, right? You know, we, sometimes we have this idea of we're going to do something and then it doesn't quite go that way. And I think that we can relate to this in our spiritual lives as well. You know, where we feel like, hey, you know what? I want to make progress in this area. I don't want to struggle with this one thing that I've been struggling with anymore. I want to have victory. And then sometimes we find ourselves doing exactly what we didn't want to do. And uh, this is something I said it uh, when we were kind of talking about what we we're going to do, promoting it online. I was like, I, 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 I wish I would have known this when I was 18, 19, my first year of marriage, because I think I would have seen victory in my life a lot sooner. And so we're going to jump in. We're going to be in Romans 6 tonight. Uh, I'm, I wish that I could say uh, that this passage is dense. Like Romans chapter 6, I just want to encourage you, like open up your Bible with me. Uh, open, you know, open up another tab on your screen and read along with me because it's dense. It's good. We could spend a whole month talking through Romans 6, but we don't have a whole month. We got tonight. And so I just want to encourage you, read along with me uh, when we start going through this. And so we really going to talk about how do we have victory in our lives over sin and the first really is the frustrating approach you can take if you want to be frustrated in your battle against sin in your life then we're going to talk about that approach first the approach that will lead you with frustration and feeling lost and kind of hopeless but before we get there there like what is sin what is it you, you know what is this uh what is this feeling we have where we want something more and sin is really any time we do something that is outside of the commands of God in Scripture. And that's what sin is. And, you know, notice how we all have this longing to get rid of things that aren't right in our lives. We have this longing to be made right with God, to eliminate these things. And I think a lot of people, they just think of it as like, I need to be a better person. I want to be a better person. But what you really want is you want to get rid of this sin that's in your life. Get rid of, uh, of this stuff that is separating you from God. And that's exactly what happened when sin entered the world. Adam and Eve 
in Genesis, the very beginning of the world, at the very beginning of God's word in Genesis, we see that they did what God had commanded them not to do. And when they did that, it separated them from God. They were in perfect unity. Adam and Eve were in perfect unity with God. But when they sinned, because God is holy and righteous and pure, it separated them from God. It created this chasm, this gap. But God, like we're his creation. Do you know that God delights in you? You might need to hear that tonight. God delights in who you are. He wants to be with you. And so he wasn't happy with this gap and this chasm that separated us from us, separated him from us. So what did he do? He sent his son Jesus to live a life free of sin. Not only free of every sinful outward action, but free of every sinful thought that the son of God came, lived a perfect life, the life that we couldn't live, and he was crucified on a cross for our sins. And that if we accept Jesus, in another part of Romans, we see that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. That if we want to be made right for eternity and spend heaven with our cre- and, and spend the eternity in heaven with our creator, we have to accept Jesus. We have to enter into a relationship with him. And this starts, this puts us in the right position. And a lot of people know this. We're in the right position, right? I've been shown grace and mercy from God. He has forgiven me of my failures and my sins. And so I'm going to spend an eternity with him. But then we fail to see, we've got like the right position or standing, but then we put it into practice the wrong way. And this is the frustrating approach. We've got the right standing with God, but then even though we've been forgiven of our sin and we're made right for eternity, we try and live the rest of our life as if battling sin is just up to us. Let me tell you this. Willpower conquering of sin is not actually conquering of sin. Us just white knuckling it trying to, you know, improve our lives and get better and to to honor God like it's all on us. That's not what conquering sin looks like. You might be in the right position. Listen, you're never going to have true victory over sin unless you're in the right position, unless you have a relationship with Jesus. But if you don't practice it the right way, then you're going to be frustrated. Your approach in having victory over sin, you are going to be frustrated. We need the right position but we also need to put it into practice the right way. That through your own effort and just trying to be better, trying to get better, trying not to disappoint God is going to leave you frustrated. It's going to leave you disappointed. So we not only need the right standing, but we also need the right practice. And this first start I've talked about, this frustrating approach, it lacks relationship. It's like, hey, I accepted Jesus. Now it's all up to me. That, ra- that lacks relationship. But what we're going to see in Romans 6 is that there's a very unique intertwined relationship we have whenever we accept Jesus. I want to start reading it. Romans 6, 1, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Like, hey, you're not just off the hook. Just because there's grace and God's going to forgive you doesn't mean that you do whatever you want. Verse 2, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? I don't know about you all, but I've found myself many different times in my life not feeling dead to sin, feeling as sin had conquered me, not that God had conquered sin in my life. I'll never forget, like, being on my knees at different times, frustrated, upset, in tears. Forget, I'm an emotional person, all right? Of course I would have tears. Uh, But being at that breaking point, being at that point where it's like, dang, 
God, like, if you're there, are you, are you sure that you want to give me victory? But Paul says right here, like, we're, we're dead to our sins. In verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That when we're in the right standing with God, how we, uh, then, then we've been made new. We have a new life. And this, this depiction of baptism, listen to this. Baptism is not salvation. A water baptism, a believer's baptism, is not what saves you. But it is what follows your decision. Go look at it in scripture. Jesus himself was baptized by John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist came preaching this message of repentance. People turned from their sins and they got baptized. Jesus did this. In the book of Acts, which is the early church history, go read the beginning of Acts. People repented of their sin and then they were then baptized. Paul's kind of mentioning it here, not as if like, hey, if you have been baptized, but that, hey, when you accept Christ, like go get baptized. That's your first step of obedience. And why? Because it's a, it's a picture of what's happened in your heart. And what Paul says right here in 1 through 4 is this. This is why baptism is so incredible. That when you're submersed under that water, it's like you're sharing in Christ's death, that he was buried in a tomb. But when you're raised up out of it, what did Christ do? Three days after being killed on the cross, he rose from the tomb. That when we're lifted out of that water, that that's the same we share in like that resurrection of Christ. That's a beautiful depiction. So if you've never been baptized, man, that's a step of obedience. I want to encourage you, if that's you and you want to get baptized, text HS Connect to 94,000 because you need to take that step of faith. You need to take it. Let's move on here. Verse 5, this is where we're really going to get into the practical application of seeing this relationship. For if, we have, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might, know, might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lived, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God, in Christ Jesus. So what happens, right, is that Look how intertwined we are. It says we're united. We are united with Christ in his, in his death and resurrection. That when he died a death on the cross for our sins, we share in that death with him. But Jesus didn't stay dead. That's what makes it so unique. That's what makes the story of Jesus so incredible is he didn't stay, stay dead. He's now been made alive to God. And so notice here in verse 11, this is what Paul finishes with. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The right position, I've been shown grace and forgiveness of my sins. The right practice is then that I live each day considering that I am dead to sin and alive to God. 
That's a lot better than your own willpower. That listen, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to my struggles, the things that I have, uh, that, that have plagued me. I'm dead to that because I am alive to God. We don't have to fight on our own. We're intertwined and living in what Jesus has already done for us. So if you want to see victory in your sin, stop just white knuckling it and trying to fight on your own. Be in the right position, have a relationship with Jesus, but then allow him to each day shape your thoughts and your mindset so that you're living in who he says you are, that you're alive to God. I want you to uh, read verse 22 with me because it really sums up what this looks like in a practical aspect of like how you have victory on a daily basis. It says, but now that you have been set free from sin, you're free from sin. You know that you're free from sin. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. You know what sanctification is? It's becoming more like Christ. That because of you are a slave to God, right? You're so committed to righteousness. You're so committed to God that your heart is naturally, as you pursue him and seek him, is gonna be conformed to his way of thinking, to his desires for your life, that you will be sanctified and made like Christ when you lean into him, that that's what's gonna happen here on earth. And that your eternal self is already secured. The end is eternal life. You're gonna spend an eternity with God in heaven. No weeping, no hurting, no pain, but you're gonna spend that time with him, made fully whole, not engaging in sin anymore. That the ultimate victory has already been won. And you have a sinful body here on earth, but as you pursue God and consider yourself alive to God and dead to sin, you are gonna see victory. You don't have to do it on your own. You're united with who Jesus says you are. That's so awesome. So how do we have victory? We have the right position. We have the right practice. We must have both of those things in order to see sanctification in our lives, in order to see us be made right with God in our lives and and not made right with God in our lives, but the right, uh, if we wanna see his work and his fruit come in our lives, we have to lean into him. And so practically speaking, if we have the right position and right practice and you have that struggle, how do we then overcome that? How do we practically, like what's a practical step you can take tonight to see victory in sin? Practical step. Well, what you need to do is you need to see what the root cause of your sin is. You might be addicted to pornography, but you're probably not just addicted to pornography. You probably are using it as a medication in order to numb the feelings of loneliness or isolation that you have or the lack of self-worth. Maybe, you know, you're engaging in this self-deprecating behavior. And it's not because, uh, it's not just that you're engaging in that sin, but what's the root cause of it? Is it that you have a low self-esteem and that you have no self-worth, so you engage in this? You're not just angry and worried and depressed. Maybe it's that it's because you're not in control of every aspect of your life that those things come up in your life. That's my story. I don't get angry because I'm just an angry person or that, that I'm just angry because for angry's sake. I get angry and lose it whenever I'm not in control or whenever I feel like someone else is taking control away from me. That's when I blow up. It goes much deeper than just having a temper tantrum and throwing a fit. You know, maybe you're bitter today or tonight and you've just got bitterness in your heart. 
Maybe, maybe you have stuff that you haven't forgiven people of and you haven't released that and set that free and so you carry on this bitterness. What's the root of your anxiety, your depression, your fear? What's the root of your worry? What's the root of your porn addiction? What's the root of you sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Why are you engaging in this even though you don't want to? Get to the real reason. That's part of being in that right practice is going to God and asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance of, hey, how, how, do, how, can, how can I, how can, what needs to change in my life? Why am I engaging in whatever I'm engaging in in this way? We got to have the right position. We got to have the right practice. And then we got to get practical and look at why am I doing what I'm doing? I'm not saying take away every guardrail. I'm not saying you shouldn't make choices on your own uh, that, that help to eliminate your ability to sin. You know, if you're struggling with alcohol use, you shouldn't be at the club, right? That's a logical guardrail that you need to put in place. But you also need to go deeper and look at why am I struggling the way I'm struggling? You can't quit. You're united and tied with God. That would be my one other encouragement is don't quit. He will sanctify you. He will make you holy. He will make you right. You know, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. This is right after what we just read. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In order to have this eternal life, we have to accept the gift. In order to be united with what we talked about, the right position is first. You can't expect to practice right and see victory in your life. Until you accept Jesus as your Savior, but you got to say yes to the gift. I want to pray with you tonight. God, I pray that uh, walls would be breaking down and falling down of sin in our life, of pain in people's lives. Not only in everyone there, but my own life, Lord. That you would destroy the grip of sin and that I would know and understand I don't have to fight on my own anymore. That you're fighting for me, that I'm united with you. And that you want to help me and help change my life. That you do have power over sin. That I am dead to sin in my life. And that's what I pray for everyone out there that's listening to know that they are dead to sin. God, thank you for the gift you've given us. You offer us freedom where no one else does. We don't have to be frustrated, but we can have freedom. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen. That's what I want for you. I want for you to have victory in your life. Thanks for joining us this week.